Hello and welcome to Talking Aussie Books, a new weekly podcast shining a spotlight on Australian fiction. My name is Claudine Tanellis. As a writer and avid reader, I love chatting about books. And in this podcast, I'll chat to authors, publishers and readers, giving you, dear listener, insight into what's hot on the Australian fiction scene. So if you're looking for your next book recommendation or just want to know more about Aussie fiction writers, this podcast is for you. Grab yourself a cuppa, sit back and enjoy. The wonderful thing about reading books, and fiction in particular, is the ability for us as readers to become acquainted with a world or with lives which may be very different from our own. Often we are transported to a different time, as in the case of historical novels, a different country, or maybe even a city in our own country we've never visited before. And sometimes novels can simply help us understand things which are beyond our capacity to know without the benefit of first-hand experience. And this week's featured book, The Way I See It, by debut novelist Lucy Marrett, is exactly that kind of book. Launched during Mental Health Awareness Month in October of this year, it's a book about a young woman who suffers from debilitating anxiety, a condition which manifests itself in fear, panic attacks and depression. Now, it's not a self-help book or a manual about anxiety. It's a book of fiction and offers readers a realistic and poignant portrayal of what living with anxiety is like. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Lucy to the podcast today. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Claudine. Thanks so much for having me today. You're very welcome, Lucy. Lucy, I wanted to congratulate you on the publication of your first novel. It's an amazing achievement. Thank you so much. (laughs) Now, can I ask you, what inspired you to write it? Uh, I was inspired by my own journey first and foremost. So I've lived with anxiety for most of my life to varying degrees. Um, And it was only the last few years that I was wanting to use my skills in writing to make this something that other people would be able to understand. And especially since seeing uh, various friends and family members also suffering from various levels of anxiety, I really wanted to draw more attention to this issue. I think at the time I was reading, um, there was a lot of books that were written about depression and not a whole lot about anxiety. And it's just such a misunderstood um, illness. And it's just frustrating when people don't understand what you're trying to convey. And so I really thought there's something that needs to be done and I need to write this. I can use my own experience. And so that's where I really started thinking about the character, thinking about uh, what she was going to suffer with and how I was going to portray that through the work. Great, great. So can you tell me a little bit about your book? Mm -hmm. So the way I see it, as you said, is a fiction novel, but it is based on a lot of true experiences um, from myself and others. That being said, it's not my story. I've made up the story. I've just been able to give an insightful look um, because of my experiences. So it focuses around Holly, who is a 24-year-old journalist, and she has to come to terms with her anxiety. It's something she doesn't want to talk about. It's something she doesn't want to acknowledge. But something happens to her in the beginning of the book and she kind of realises that if she doesn't do something, if she doesn't acknowledge what's going on, she might spiral out of control. She might become sicker than she already is and that's not something that she wants to deal with either. And so the book is her journey to understanding her mental illness, um, what it means to be mentally healthy, while also turning to friends and understanding how friendship plays an important part in uh, in her walk with her illness. And also there is a message of hope through it. I really wanted that to be um, prominent. I didn't want it to be all doom and gloom. There has to be some sort of message because having anxiety is not the end of the world. It can be quite debilitating and, sorry, debilitating and overwhelming, but it is not the end of the world and there is hope for sufferers. 
you have been clear that that Holly's yep. story isn't your story, even though yes. there are elements of your life and experiences with anxiety threaded through Holly's story. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and Holly has struggled to come to terms with her anxiety, but as you said, there was there was a there was a, a watershed moment um, uh, in the book that makes Holly start to want to confront um, her illness, and it's the suicide of her friend Claire, and and that brings her to a crossroads, doesn't it? Yes. That's what really makes her go, oh, okay, well, if somebody with a mental illness can take their own life that I know, like, what's to say that it couldn't happen to me? I mean, she doesn't say that explicitly, but I, that's what I was trying to convey through the, through her, um, through the opening chapters, her experience. She's kind of panicking as if to say, well, if that happened to her, why couldn't it happen to me? And she doesn't want that to happen mm. to her. Yes. And the book deals with a number of themes concerning mental illness, but the thing that struck me most about uh, Claire's death as that precipitating factor um, and, and the thing that Holly struggles to cope with is the fact that no one is talking about the reason Claire died a- and this is really significant for Holly isn't it? Yeah so I think uh, with mental illness it can be brushed under the carpet almost you know you kind of focus on the, the positives in that person's life rather than you know making aware that well no there's actually a reason that this happened because she was sick and we need to bring that to light because we need to put more resources into that you know financial resources government resources we need people to be open and talking about it because the more it's swept under the carpet and the more it's hidden away people don't feel like they can talk about it and they have um and they just don't feel like there's an open conversation and that's when people hide away and get sicker rather than having the resources to help them get better. Yeah, I agree. Um, and before reading your book, I confess to not having a really good understanding of the different ways having a mental illness like anxiety can impact on a person's daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, how doing the most banal everyday things like going to work, meeting new people, getting to a place you've never been to before can trigger an attack. Um, yeah. And in, yeah. And in the book, we experience Holly's panic attacks firsthand and we see how these situations can, can completely paralyse her. Were these scenes and situations difficult to write? I think they were almost cathartic to write in some way because it's not just me living in my own head. I was able to write out, I mean, as I said, some of the experiences are my own. So I was able to write these out in words, um, almost like a second way of understanding what was going on. So it wasn't, I think the only difficult one I think was maybe writing about Claire's death herself, not that I went into detail, but just saying that someone had died as a result of their own suicide from their depression. That was a little bit tricky to write. And there were a couple of scenes when Holly is in the midst of a panic attack that I was thinking about how my friends and family would respond to this when they read it. I was kind of worried that everyone was going to read it and look at me and go, oh, is this you? Like, are you okay? This really doesn't sound like someone who's okay. I think that's what I wanted to portray. Like I said earlier, like uh, it's, it can be a scary thing. And if you don't know somebody who goes through, who has anxiety or you don't understand it, you can't understand it until you've seen it in action. And even if you see it, doesn't mean you're going to understand what's going on in that person's head. So that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to explain exactly how it happens and how it feels. And I mean, obviously anxiety is different for everyone, but I could only do from my own experience and what I know. So I don't think it was difficult or scary. It was just something different and, yeah, as I said, cathartic to write it in that way. Mm, Interesting. Now, Holly is surrounded by a number of people with varying degrees of sympathy for her situation. Was that Mm -hmm. deliberate? Uh, 
I don't know if it, it wasn't not deliberate. It's just kind of how the story formed. I knew I wanted to have a strong friend who she looked up to. Um, and then there also had to be a friend who kind of never really got it, which without giving too much away, Jem is the one who never really gets it. Um, he's the one who's consistently questioning and doesn't seem as supportive as Lara, her other friend who she lives with. But I think it is important that people do have strong friendships when they're dealing with mental illness. And obviously that's not something that everybody has access to, but I just wanted to show how having a, a strong support network can make so much difference. You know, when Holly comes home um, after a day of work and feeling anxious and says to Lara, like, I've got an idea that's going to help me get through this. And Lara is a bit like, it sounds a bit strange, but I'm on board. Like, let's sort it out. What do you want to do? You know, that just shows Holly's like, great, we're going to sort this out and it's going to be okay. She's ready to do something because Lara is helping her to do something. So she's not trying to sort it out on her own. She has people encouraging her. I wanted to ask you about when and how you started writing. So I was 14. I remember it very distinctly. I was watching Shakespeare in Love on my family's very small television, you know, back in the day. Mm. And there's a scene at the very end, I think it might even be after the credits roll or just before the credits roll, and there's a woman, and I can't remember the context, but there's a woman and a shipwreck, and she's all of a sudden on an island after the shipwreck, and she's the only one alive. And because the movie ends at that point, I had this idea of like, well, where's this story going to go? What is this woman doing? And so I ran to the computer and I started typing out this story. And after the first paragraph, my family were like, oh, like, did you write that? That's actually quite good for a 14-year-old. Like, keep going. And so I kept going and I wrote my first manuscript. I mean, it's nothing that I would um, publish because it's written of a 14-year-old. But that was what spurred my love of writing. And from that point, I was just kind of up all hours of the night notebooks filled with various stories and ideas I remember would wake up in the middle of the night and do that classic writer thing of writing down the notes and then it not making sense in the morning Um, and so I just continued to do that all through high school and then when I was finishing high school and deciding what I wanted to do I was I was so determined to study interior design because I also am really interested in that but at the last minute I saw a course at at the University of Wollongong for a creative writing degree and I was like well Like I want to be a published author, so I should probably do that. And so I ended up applying for that um, and getting in. And I did that for three years and finished that. Um, And then I got a job as a journalist. And so I've kind of always worked in some way in writing various different uh, media styles. But like writing fiction is always has been my true love for writing. Fantastic. And what other authors out there have helped shape your writing or influenced you in any way? So I really love Hannah Kent. Um, I also really love uh, writing historical fiction. I have something else that I'm working on, but I've been working on it for like six years. So I find it so hard to do historical fiction. But I keep coming back to Hannah Kent as my my idol for historical fiction. She's who I want to be. I also love Patrick Ness. I think he does some really incredible work in his young adult novels um I can't remember it right now which is super embarrassing because it's like my favorite book oh the rest of us just live here that's what it's called and it's about how not everybody not every main character is the hero of the story and so kind of all these events are happening around the main character but the main character is just living a normal life and it was just such a well done well written book and when I met Patrick Ness uh, last year I told him how much I love that book and he was like oh you know 
it's not that great. You should go write something better. So I think that's almost an inspiration point of, um, you know, continuing and being better and wanting to be a better author. I also love F. Scott Fitzgerald. Uh, I'm a sucker for The Great Gatsby. Oh, love a good, absolutely. love a good classic. Um, I think there's something so incredible about how he writes about that that period of time and the social construct. And I don't know how many times I've like read it, flicked through it, but I just con- it just continues to be one of those books that I just really love, and I'm so glad it exists. And if there was ever a point where I got to have, you know, in that question they ask you, like, oh, if you could have anyone to dinner, dead or alive, who would it be? Mm-hmm. It would definitely be him because I'd be curious to see what he would do, what he would write about today's society, how he would put today's society into a novel. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, I saw that you recently met Marcus Zusak. How was that? I did. That was exciting. It was really interesting to listen to him speak about his uh, journey, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was 10 years, 9 years, 13 years. I can't remember, but it's been quite a few years since uh, the book thief came out. Yeah. And so he was just talking about the process of um, how difficult it was for him to bring out his second book. And he was so humble in the way he talked too and he was so thankful to everybody for coming out and supporting him. Um, but he also he seemed like a quiet kind of guy. I mean, he had so many people lining up to meet him. We were in line for an hour just to get our book signed. And so it was pretty much just like a, hi, like, thanks for writing. And he just kind of signed the book and take a photo and it was the next person. Mm-hmm. Didn't really get to have a chat with him. But he, like, he's an incredible, incredible writer and he's just got some amazing skills. So it was it was cool just to even, like, meet him and say, like, oh, I've met him. Um, I love meeting authors and getting books signed and kind of, like, I have a little collection in the back of my mind of who I've met. I actually used to write it down when I was younger. I'd write, you know, I met this author on this date and I got this book signed or I said this to them. I don't know where that is now, but I'm sure if I went back and found it, there'd be quite a few good names on there that I'd be quite proud of having met along my journey. Yeah, I don't think you're alone there. I'm a, I'm a bit of an author <laughs> stalker myself as one yeah. of my good friends is, uh, <laughs> is known for saying. Just love meeting authors and, and talking to them and I love listening to their journey and I think that's yeah. kind of a, you know, as, as writers we all – can sympathise with, you know, the, the difficulty of the journey that, mm-hmm. that many of us undertake in trying to get yeah. published and then, then once you are published, you know, that, well, can I do it again, that kind of, you know. <laughs> That's how I feel at the moment. <laughs> but I also love that we almost fangirl over these writers who, as you said, as, as both of us are writers, it's so funny to think that we're like, oh, like we do the same thing as you, but I think you're so cool and I want to meet you and I want to get your autograph. Yeah. But like yeah. when I met Patrick Ness, I was shaking. I didn't know... My words weren't coming out correctly. I was so nervous and anxious to meet him because I'm such a big fan. Yeah. And I was like, can I please shake your hand? Yeah. He's like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, yeah. weirdo. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure he didn't think you're a weirdo. I think it's just fairly normal. When you, yeah. you, know, when you, when you admire somebody, it's a, it's a very normal reaction. I still get tongue-tied when I <laughs> <laughs> And I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> Good to know it's never going to go away. <laughs> yes. Um, so I wanted to ask, and I think you, you, know, you touched on it briefly before, um, about what you're working on now. Mm, yes. So I'm working on a couple of things, actually. I don't have anything set in stone for what's next. I, like w- even when I wrote The Way I See It, I probably had five other projects I was working on. And it's just kind of like whatever sticks at the time and whatever I can actually get into and make work is what I will work on. So I have this historical fiction piece that I mentioned before set in the 1860s in Hilland. Mm-hmm. Um, the story is actually based off like my great, 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 great relatives. I can't even remember how far back I am related to them, but I am related to them somehow. 
um, who emigrated from Germany for the gold fields in Hilland. So there's a quite an interesting story that goes with that around some, you know, secret murders and family heirs and, you know, unwed mothers with children. So it's all sort of interesting and intrigue. So I've been working on that since I was in uni. Um, and that's yeah, always slowly, slowly coming together because I just find the research of the historical part so difficult. Um, and I've also started working on something that is a response to the recent, well, it's not recent, but all those women that have been murdered recently um, with the high numbers that we've seen over the last few weeks. Um, I just kind of wanted to write something that was you hear about it in the news and everybody's outraged but then what happens after what happens to the families of these people what happens to the criminals that are arrested and charged for these crimes like where does the story go yeah. after that and so it's obviously a very sensitive issue and so I haven't done much on that I'm still kind of researching and reading other books that have a similar idea of the aftermath type thing but yeah, both of them are kind of what I'm working on, but who knows? I could be working on something else in, in, you know, next month and that could have 10,000 words to my 5,000. Like I just never really know. I just work with what works. Excellent. excellent. <laughs> well, it sounds like an amazing variation of projects and I'm sure, yeah. you know, I'm sure that you know, your next book is going to be um, something that you're passionate about and something that's, you know, an important book to write. I love that you said your next book because I still don't feel like it's going to happen. But I appreciate your encouragement and oh, support. No. Well, we have to, we have to always um, think positively about that. Yeah, that's true. I wanted to talk a little bit about the statistics surrounding anxiety in Australia. Mm -hmm. So based on some research I've read, um, it's the most commonly diagnosed mental health condition in Australia. Around yep. one in three women and one in five men will suffer anxiety in their lifetime. Now, for people out there who are listening to this podcast thinking that they may be suffering from anxiety and that it's interfering with their day-to-day -day lives, do you have any advice for them? I think definitely being diagnosed um, is the first step because it's very easy to live with something like that and think that you'll deal with it on your own. And you can deal with it on your own for a long time. But, you know, it can get to a point where it's just not feasible to do that by yourself anymore. So I would definitely go to a doctor um, and get help because there are so many options. There's, you know, medication, there's psychology, there's therapy. Like there's just so many things that you don't have to do this alone. Um, and so, yeah, definitely getting diagnosed is the first step I would suggest. Fantastic. And out of uh, the organisations that might be out there in Australia that can help people uh, that mm -hmm. people can turn to, who would you, who would you recommend? So Lifeline. Firstly, um, they have the phone service where you can ring up and get help. They also have a new text message service that they're testing out. Um, so you message them and then somebody, a live, a real person will reply to your text messages and say, you know, how are you feeling at the moment? Um, how can I help you? What do you want to talk about? And you can talk to them and they can help you sort through whatever you're feeling anxious about or worried about at that time. I think that's a really great service because not everybody wants to pick up the phone and have that conversation, but texting is a lot easier to mm -hmm. just when you need to vent or need someone to help you out of a sticky situation that you're in mentally, that's a great thing to be able to do. Um, and also Beyond Blue are a good organisation as well. Um, I know they have a lot of online resources, uh, different methods of helping you deal with anxiety attacks and panic attacks. I think both of them are quite valuable um, organisations to help. 
Wonderful. That's terrific advice, Lucy. Now, if listeners wanted to connect with you or to learn more about your book, where can they find you? I have a Facebook page, which is Lucy Marrett Author. And I also have an Instagram, which is Lucy underscore Marit Author. And I reply to all the messages I get. I love talking to people about um, mental health and about fiction novels. So my Instagram is mostly just posting pictures of the books that I'm reading and talking about the things that um, I'm coming across and reposting other authors' photos. But I mostly post on my Facebook page about my book. Um, but, yeah, happy to receive messages, happy to talk to people. I just like I like connecting with people on those sorts of things. So, yeah, that's Wonderful. where I am. That's terrific, Lucy. Now, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. Um, Lucy's book, The Way I See It, published by Elephant Tree Publishing, is available at all good bookstores and e-retailers. Now, don't forget to visit my Facebook page or Instagram feed to find out how to win a signed copy of Lucy's wonderful book or keep up to date with new episodes of this podcast and other promotions. Thanks again, Lucy. Thanks so much, Claudine. Well, that's a wrap, folks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or drop me a line via my Instagram at Claudine Tinellis or on my webpage, claudinetinellis.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, happy reading.